Acts chapter 15. And so you can find Acts chapter 15. We'll be in verse 36 eventually. I want to spend a little bit of time in the notes because I want to create the context so you can understand what we're reading today. So I just want to remind you of some things we've, we've learned as we've gone through Acts. So this is in your notes. The first three sections is all basically context. Uh, so number one, uh, ministry was going great. Paul and Barnabas are getting along. Paul and the apostles are getting along. The apostles are getting along with each other. The church in Jerusalem is growing. The church in Antioch is growing. Both Gentiles are being saved and Jewish people are being saved. So ministry is going great. Discipleship was happening. Evangelism was happening. Everything that was supposed to be happening was happening. So they're in a really good place as the church. Number two... Barnabas and Paul have been working together for 15 to 20 years at this point in time in Antioch. So they've been partnering in ministry. They've been growing together 15 to 20 years. They had gone on a very successful missionary journey, and their church was doing really well. But number three, over the course of time, Barnabas moved from mentor and leader to co-worker and perhaps even disciple of Paul's leadership in the church. So there's a reversal of roles here. That's important to realize. Now, this reversal of roles was exactly what was supposed to happen. This was not a mistake. It was not anybody doing anything wrong. It was what a, a mentor, that should be their goal. Anytime you're mentoring someone, your goal should be for them to replace you and surpass you. You want to get them as far as you can along the journey, teaching them what you've learned, teaching them the lessons, uh, giving them pointers, and then eventually they take over. So that's what's happened. Barnabas has mentored Paul. Paul has passed him, and he's the leader, one of the leaders of, of the church as a whole, probably the leader in Antioch. And so that's taken place. So that's the context. The specific situation we're going to read about is is this the uh, Saul says hey Barnabas let's go on another trip let's go visit all the churches we started let's go visit all the people we preached to let's go to all the cities let's see how they're doing let's strengthen them let's teach them some more let's go on another missionary journey Barnabas is like yeah that's great I'll go tell Mark to pack his bags Paul's response is no no we're not taking Mark Barnabas says yeah yeah we need to take Mark Mark's my nephew. Uh, Mark's my men he, he's my disciple. I'm mentoring him. Mark has, has grown a lot since last time. Paul's like, no. Now he left last time. He bailed on us. He didn't follow through. We had to do his work because he went home. So no, he can't come. Barnabas is like, Paul, come on. Think about how long, how much you've grown. Think about how much you've changed. Give Mark a chance. Paul's like, no, he's not coming. And they both kind of put their feet down. So, so Barnabas wanted to keep working with his nephew Mark and disciple him to victory. See the, the point here? He wanted to disciple him to victory in the face of his previous failure. So Barnabas is looking at Mark going, hey, come on this trip. This time you're going to stay with us. You're going you're gonna to work. You're going to go all the way to the end. And when you're back, you'll have victory in the area of your previous failure. Exactly what a, a mentor would want his disciple to do. Okay, but 
Paul wanted nothing to do with the distraction. I think that's how he would see it. The distraction it would create to have Mark along. Is, is he going to stick with us? How's he doing so far? Do we need to encourage him? Um, how's he feeling? That, that kind of distraction. So a situation has developed. Now, we only have a few verses here. So there's a little bit of reading between the lines. But there's a little bit also, actually quite a bit of, of reading what happened before and then reading what comes about later to fill in the gap of what's going on here. So, so that's the situation we find ourselves in. The result is that there is a sharp disagreement. Now that's the, that's the term that the NIV chose, a sharp disagreement. Okay, there's a sharp disagreement. And um, probably a better word would be severe disagreement. I'm not sure the word sharp communicates to us what it communicated when it was chosen. Uh, this was a, a huge disagreement. I, I put in the title that they had a fight. And if we're going to be honest, they were fighting over whether Mark got to go or not. And so it was a sharp disagreement. Uh, they, they, could, they could not be in more disagreement than they are. One is, yes, we have to take him. The other is, no, there's no way he's coming. And number two, they parted company. And, and that's another thing where we, if we don't think about it, we get a lesser idea of what happened here. When they parted company, they, they broke rank. They, uh, they became separate. They almost divorced themselves in ministry. And one went one direction and one went the other. Do notes I wrote, they stomped away in opposite directions. Now, I don't know if they actually stomped. I don't know if they got red-faced. I don't know what it was like. But in the end, Paul said, I'm going here and I'm taking Silas. And Barnabas says, I'm going here and I'm taking Mark. And they went in two different directions to do, this, to do their trip. And so that's the result of it. Now I want to read the passage. And with that information, you'll hear what it, what it says. It's only a few verses, like five or six verses. So here it is. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where, they, where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had a sharp disagreement, and they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, which was where he came from, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we just just get this. That's all we got. That's all we got here. Not not a huge amount of attention is put on this disagreement. But Paul and Barnabas, who have been, they were Barnabas and Paul, and then they were Barnabas and Paul, and then all of a sudden they were Paul and Barnabas, and, and they've been working together in this 15, 20-year relationship, ministering in the same church, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, working together. Now all of a sudden, it's Barnabas and Mark. And it's Paul and Silas. And so, I have questions. I have questions that I want to answer. We don't have necessarily great answers, but I think we can discover the answers. The first question I want to ask is, who's right and who's wrong? Is, is Barnabas right? Is Saul right? Are they both right? Are they both wrong? And so, number one and two in your notes there as we continue on, was, was Barnabas wrong in wanting to take Mark? And was Paul wrong in not wanting to take Mark? So here's some things to consider. 
uh, A, Barnabas was obviously working with Mark. Barnabas had a relationship with Mark. When they came back into town, he didn't, he didn't ship Mark away. He didn't, he didn't say, no, I don't want anything to do with you. He continued in the relationship. It was probably easier for Barnabas because Mark was his nephew. We find that out in some other texts. It's his nephew. So he has that relationship, and he's working with him probably for the entire 10 or so years between the two trips. So Barnabas was working with Mark. Barnabas knew Mark. Okay, he had forgiven Mark. He had moved past his previous failing. He, we know that because he wanted to take him with him. It was his first response as, hey, let's get Mark. And you see, it had been at least 10, if not 15 or 20 years since he abandoned him. So time had passed. So Barnabas is looking at Mark. He's saying, you've had 10 or 15 years to grow. Uh, I've been working with you. You're my nephew. I know you really well. I think you should go. I think this is a chance to have victory over an issue. I think this is a chance to put that whole other thing behind you. It's a chance to get in good graces with Paul again. This is your opportunity to, to step up and move forward. And Barnabas is like, come on, let's go. So was he wrong? Well, I don't see the wrong there. I don't see the wrong there. There's a potential of wrong in that Paul was in charge And Barnabas could have said, okay, Paul, you're in charge now, so I'm going to let you make the decision. I'll catch up with Mark later, and I'll do something with him different. That that could have been a good response. But that wasn't the response. But was, was Barnabas wrong for wanting to take Mark? I don't think so. Was Paul wrong for not wanting to take Mark? For not wanting? Well, Paul was focused on the mission, and, and this is Paul's personality. This is Paul's writing. This is Paul's instruction. This is Paul all the way through from start to finish. Paul is, I I set my mind on the finish line. I I look at the mark. I have a goal in mind. I'm going to get where I need to go. Don't uh, throw away everything that hinders you. Just think of his teaching. Think of his language. Paul is is one track, ready to go, on task. And for him, Mark was a distraction. Mark was an added thing that he didn't want to have to deal with. He was going for a purpose. Paul also B apparently didn't trust Barnabas in his assessment of Mark. This is where Paul could have said, Barnabas, I've known you for years. You were my mentor. You taught me how to serve the Lord. You taught me how to teach. You taught me how to evangelize. You taught me what it means to be a leader, to be in charge. And and, and I'm going to take your word for it. If you think Mark is, is ready, let's take him again. He could have said that, but he didn't. Either in word or in deed, he said to Barnabas, no, your opinion's not valid here. Uh, we're not taking him. You know, in the course of the conversation, which we don't have, you know, Barnabas could have said, hey, Saul, remember who you were when we started? Now you're Paul. Let's give Mark a chance. We don't know if that happened or not, but Paul wanted nothing to do with it. Paul did not allow any room for compromise. So was Paul wrong? Was Paul wrong for being single-minded, singularly focused, driven to get the job done? Maybe. Maybe not. If you have to have somebody being wrong, if, you, if you're not able to say, well, both were right but couldn't come together, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that probably Paul shares more of the blame than Barnabas does. But I want to point out, in this failure, because it is a failure, they parted ways angrily, They went off in separate directions. The ministry was split forever. So that's a failure. In the failure, that's okay. 
the next thing in your notes, the Bible often allows us to see the failures as well as the triumphs of God's people. Think of Elijah. Elijah called fire down from heaven and, 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 and took out the entire Baal worship. And the next day when Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, he ran away and hid and had a little pity party. How do you, how do you balance that? Triumphs and failures. David, the man after God's own heart, who slew the giant and, and led the armies of Israel to victory, who cleansed the land and, and set up God's kingdom in Israel, then committed adultery and, and murder and tried to cover it up. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived and the biggest idiot that ever walked on the face of the earth, all at the same time. All right? Gideon. Who, who crushed an army of thousands upon thousands with 350 people, who, who, who led in battle according to God's plan that didn't make any sense and had a great victory and came home and immediately set up a statue and told the people to worship it. Triumph and failure. Peter, who correctly declared, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and things like that, who also pulled Jesus aside and said, hey, you need to quit talking like that. Because it's not going to happen. Peter, triumph and, 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 and failure. So I think we need to see Paul as, as who he is here. Um, he didn't handle it all that great. I think we would have probably expected a little bit more out of, out of the apostle who's going to write the majority of the, of the New Testament. Um, Barnabas wanted to bring somebody along. That's who Barnabas was. Paul didn't. That's kind of who Paul was. But if we have to assign blame here... Uh, obviously, I think there's blame on both sides. There always is. There's always blame on both sides, but it seems like Paul is the guiltiest. Now, is that crucial to understanding the story and getting something from it? Not really, but we kind of got to get past that so we can get to some other things. But I think it is good to realize that the Bible lets us see the, 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 the dark side of people as well, the not-so-great side, the non-heroic side. It allows us to see the change in people. And what God's willing to do and how he forgives and things like that. But let's go to the next question. Question number three. Why were these two friends and ministry partners unable to resolve the issue? This kind of gets more to where we're at today. When, when we're at an impasse with somebody, whether it's ministry or not, what, what are some things that may be in the way? What are some things that were there in their way? Well, A, reversal of roles can be very difficult to achieve and maintain. Think about any of your children that have grown up and you being the parent having to let them be an adult and you being a parent having to let them make decisions and having to let them choose something that you didn't advise. The roles have changed. Eventually, as, as parents, we may have to let our children make decisions for us. There is a role reversal. Their role reversal was that the men mentor became the follower. And that's a, that's a hard thing to do. Most churches, if you don't know this, most churches even have written in their policies and in their instructions that the old pastor can't stay when a new pastor comes. If an old pastor retires, a beloved pastor retires, a lot of times he's not allowed to stay in the church because it's very difficult to pass the baton when the old pastor is still there. People will go to the old pastor to, to check on the new pastor. That's not a good relationship. 
And so a wise pastor will oftentimes say, well, I'm going to have to leave because I'm retiring. I'm going to move to where my kids are or something like that so that the new pastor can take over. This, this is, you can see how this works. And so revol, re, role reversals are difficult to maintain. So there may have been some, some issue there. Barnabas, Barnabas thinking, hey, I mentored you. Why can't you trust me? Paul going, hey, you put me in charge. Why can't you follow me? Some of that may have been going on there. B, I think some of it is personalities. Some personalities clash with one another. Barnabas was the feelings guy. Barnabas was the, how are you today? How can I help you? Can I pray for you? I see you have a sad look on your face. Do you want to talk about it? Paul's the black and white guy. He runs into the same guy and he says, hey, cheer up. we got things to do. Hey, let's go. Get moving. You'll feel better when we're, when we're working. You know, the black and white versus the feelings. Barnabas, Barnabas is the take you where you're at, build you up. Paul's the, hey, I have the solution. Let's, let's, let's just go with it. So their personalities would have been different. And, and how they would have looked at Mark would have been different. Um, C, I threw this in there. I, I took it out and I put it back in and all that. But I, I decided to leave it in there. It was, it was a difficult time with lots of stress. You know, I, I, I talked about how good things were going. But you all know that there's still stress when things are going well. Sometimes there's more stress when things are going well because there's more responsibility, more decisions to be made, more leading to be done. And, and they were leading and things were going well and they had, they had goals to accomplish and, and there was a lot of stress. Maybe they didn't handle it good, I don't know. But the role, role reversal thing would definitely be an issue. The personality thing would definitely be an issue. And, and, and it got in the way. And so for us... Maybe we just need to realize that sometimes our personality is the problem. Not that mine's wrong or theirs is wrong, but they're just different. Sometimes uh, a, a change in guard creates issues and we need to step back or step forward. These are lessons we can learn, things we can think about. And number four, why don't we hear anything about Barnabas anymore? Does that mean Barnabas was wrong because we don't hear of him anymore? Did God discard Barnabas and say, well, you chose poorly, now you're on your own? Well, I don't think so. I think we don't hear from Barnabas anymore because Barnabas went to Cyprus and Luke went to where Paul was. In just a little while, Luke is going to join the story and Luke is going to be traveling with Paul and we're going to start seeing the word we instead of Paul. It'll say, we did this, we did that. And, and Luke is going to be traveling with Paul. So most of what we've read already is, is the eyewitness account that Luke recorded of Paul's words. So we're, we're, we've already seen Paul's account of things, and we're going to continue to see that. I don't think Luke ever met up with Barnabas. So A, is that Luke used, Bar, used Paul as an eyewitness, and B, is Barnabas and Luke never have spoken on such matters. Maybe not even at all, but not enough to be included in the, in the writing. He would have had to have been in two places at the same time to have that information relevant. And C, Paul became the face of Christian doctrine. And Barnabas went on mentoring. So, so Paul stepped up. He, he wrote parts of the Bible. He did a lot of things like that. But later on, Paul makes a comment. It's just a little comment. It's in Colossians. And he says, hey, if you, if you hear from Barnabas, listen to him. He endorses his teaching. He's talking about, he says, hey, actually in the past, he says, send me Mark. I need him. And if you hear Barnabas teaching, listen to him. He gives him an, an endorsement. 
So Barnabas kept on doing what Barnabas did. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I don't think Barnabas uh, uh, fell away. There was no discipline in his life. Everything was good. We don't hear about him because he's not where Luke was. And Luke wrote eyewitness accounts. Number five, how did things turn out for Paul and Barnabas and Mark? How did it work out? Well, I want to emphasize uh, that it was God. That's the word that goes in your blank there. God used Paul. He used his drive. He used his personality. And he used his gifting. Paul, or God used Paul as he was, for who he was, to accomplish his will. And he did it to produce much of the New Testament content, doctrine, and guidance. So much of the New Testament comes from Paul. And a lot of that is, is from Paul was probably driven to write it down. Paul was driven to make sure people understood. Paul was driven to get it into the hands of as many people as possible. And Paul was driven to make sure the people in the churches that he started and the people that he was um, serving understood doctrine and understood what God wanted from them. And God used that so that we have all the epistles. And, and we have several things that, that Paul has taught us. And then B, God also used Barnabas. God used Barnabas in his gifting and who he was to disciple and mentor Mark. We know that happened because we know where Mark went and what Mark did. So Paul did what God called Paul to do, and Barnabas did what God called Barnabas to do. Now, did, did God create this fight between them to accomplish this outcome? No. But God was not surprised by it, and then God said, Okay, this is where we're at now. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to use it. And so Barnabas went on. Barnabas, who was always the mentor... And Paul was the leader. He became the leader. So how did things turn out for Paul and Barnabas? God used Paul. God used Barnabas. See, Mark became a co-worker with Paul. He's referred to. Matter of fact, Paul in Colossians says, Hey, send me Mark. I need him. He is, he's going to be useful to me. Send him. Of all the people that were out there, all the people that, that Paul knew, all the people that he had worked with, all the people that w would have come at his beck and call, Paul said, I want Mark. That speaks to the relationship. That speaks to the forgiveness, to the restoration. It speaks to his usefulness. So Mark became a co-worker of Paul, and he became the author of the Gospel of Mark, which is based on Peter's reflections and recollections. So after he spent time with Paul, he spent time with Peter. So he spent time with the two top leaders in the church, the, the two top apostles. And so he had a, a very unique role, but a very uh, uh, important role, and he actually gave us one of the Gospels. So God used Paul, God used Barnabas, and then God used Mark. So God continued to use them all. All right? Now I want to go back to the fight for a minute. This is, this is kind of... The reason I spent we're spending time on this, we could have moved quicker. But this is this is the real question that, that I think is the most important. What would have been a better solution? We can we can rationalize why they argued, what they argued about, what the background was, what their motives were. We can rationalize all that stuff. We can we can give them the benefit of the doubt. We can we can even accuse. We can do all that. But what can we learn from this? How could they have done things better? Well, 
hey, I want to go to Paul's teachings in Colossians. Colossians 3.13 instructs us to bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Paul had a grievance against Mark. Eventually, I think Paul had a grievance against Barnabas. Barnabas had a grievance against Paul. So there's grievance here, and the instruction is bear with each other and forgive one another. Now, I don't know if Paul was thinking about his life and maybe some things that happened. Maybe he even thought about this situation when he wrote that. I have no idea. doesn't really matter, but Paul's own advice later on could have been applied to this situation. The term bear with means to take on some of another person's load. Take on some of their load. Take on some of their weight. Bear with each other. Come alongside. Be helpful. Be part of the solution. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear with you. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Yeah, I'm sure Mark was wrong. We're never told why he left. We don't know if he got physically sick. We don't know if he got homesick. We don't know if he developed a bad attitude. We don't know if it was harder than he thought and decided it was too much of a cost. We have no idea why he left. But he could be forgiven. Barnabas forgave him. Paul eventually forgave him. Wouldn't it it have been better if Paul also forgave him and then they started from there to figure out what to do with Mark? It, It could have wound up the same way. Paul could have said, you know, Barnabas, you're right. Mark has proven himself. Mark is an asset. I'm not sure he's the one for this trip. Maybe, maybe we need to separate and double our effect by going on two trips. I can take Silas with me. He's ready. You take Mark with you. We'll go out and we'll do two things. That would have been a great solution without the drama. Maybe he could have said, you know, Barnabas, you're right. Mark is ready. Let's give him a let's give him a minor role. Let's let him prove himself, and, and we'll kind of play by ear as we go. And as as he proves himself faithful, we'll give him more responsibility. Could have done a lot of things like that, but to to bear with, take on some of the other person's load, and forgive would have been great advice. It would have been the way to move. Galatians five twenty two, the fruit of the spirit, very similar. One of the fruits of the spirit is forbearance which means I'm going to put up with. The Christian life has a lot of forbearance in it. I think we forget that. Sometimes we are simply called in love to put up with some things and some people. Think of your own family. There's always the cousin that you have to put up with while they're there and love them despite of who they are, how they act, their weirdness. There's always that cousin. It might be you, but there's always that person And the family is expected to forbear, to put up with, to love anyway. Well, as a family of God, there is a lot of that that needs to take place. And we just need to say in our hearts and our minds, God, this is weird, but we're family. Help me love them. And and that's a fruit of the Spirit, and that plays into this. Be in your notes, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 6 indicates that we can seek counsel from other believers. Now, this this passage in particular is dealing with lawsuit types issues, small claims court, where one believer has an issue with another believer over a fence line or damage to something or an argument that would, that would be settled by a judge in small claims court. And Paul says, why are believers 
taking their issues before a secular person to make a decision. Why? In his mind, it's absolutely ridiculous. Paul says, if you have an issue with a fellow believer, take it to other believers who can offer a, a judgment, who can offer a decision, who can stand in with wisdom from God and give you an answer better than someone who doesn't follow God. And, and so that's, that's the context of the situation. But the principle is, we can go to other believers to seek help, to find answers. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Maybe Paul and Barnabas would have, should have said, you know, we're not getting anywhere here. Matter of fact, this is kind of turning into an argument. Let's, let's go talk to some of the other elders. Let's go, let's go talk to some, some of the elders in Jerusalem even. Let's just, let's just lay it out there and let's get some advice. Well, how do they think we should handle it? Maybe some of the advice would have kept it from getting to the issue that it was. Proverbs, I just realized I misspelled Proverbs. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Again, if they had gone to wise people, trusted people, and said, Hey, we're having this difficulty. Why don't you throw some wisdom at us? Help us come to a, a mutual, mutual plan here. So they could, have, they could have done that. See, they could have turned the disagreement into a compromise that put both parties... In a position for success, I've already given you one example. Uh, another example is they, they could have said, okay, uh, Barnabas, you want to take Mark? That's fine. I, I really don't need the distraction, so here's what we can do. Barnabas will be your number two guy. He'll answer to you. He'll receive instructions from you. You take Barnabas. Keep mentoring him as we go, but he's your guy. I'm going to work on this. You have Mark work with you. You work with him. No problem. That, that would have been a a good solution that would have solved the problem. Could have given him a lesser job to do. And like I said, they could have just agreed without a fight to go on two trips and ask God to bless both trips. So sometimes when you're in a disagreement, the answer is to figure out how you can find success for both parties. It may look different than what you started with, but it's often a possibility. And then D, if your issue is a matter of sin committed against you, because that's what the text requires, if someone sins against you, then follow the steps outlined in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. I'll let you read that and explore that, but that's specific to when someone sins against you. Not just when someone sins, but when someone sins against you, then you have a, a path to follow. And I don't think that really occurred here. I don't think Paul sinned against Barnabas or Barnabas sinned against Paul. Um, I don't even think Mark really sinned against either one of them, but I wanted to throw that in there just so it's there. But there, there are solutions. We could have had a different narrative here. We could have had an example of how to deal with a conflict, but they simply parted ways. And that was probably better than continuing the fight, but it wasn't the best. Number seven, what did they get right? What did they, what did they do right? Well, one thing, A, they stayed in the ministry that God had given to them. They stayed in the ministry. They didn't go, oh, you know what? I don't like Paul anymore. I'm leaving the church. Paul is hard-headed. He doesn't think outside the box. He won't listen to anybody else. 
I can't deal with Paul, I'm out of here. Paul didn't go, Barnabas, all he does is run around talking about people's feelings. All he does is worry about how they feel, what they think, are they upset? We need to quit worrying about whether people are upset, and we need to get things done. Can't deal with Barnabas anymore, so I'm out of here. Neither one of them did that. Thank goodness Mark didn't say, well, you know what, if all, if all you're going to do is fight because I'm here, then I'm leaving. Nobody did that. That was, and that's commendable. They did the right thing. They stayed. Barnabas continued to mentor future leaders. We know he continued to mentor Mark, and he became a future leader. I guess, and I, I'm pretty sure, that he continued to mentor other future leaders as well that we just don't know about. Paul continued to teach and preach to both Jews and Gentiles. We're going to hear about it over and over and over again. He, he never stopped teaching. He never stopped preaching. He never stopped sharing the gospel. So Paul continued to do what he was called to do. Mark matured. Mark matured and became a useful asset in at least two ministries. We talked about it. One to Paul, one to Peter. So Mark matured. And four, they eventually forgave and renewed a healthy relationship. The three of them had a relationship. Paul recommended Barnabas. He said, hey, when Barnabas teaches, listen to him. Paul said, I need Mark. Send him in. I need him to be here. And so they renewed the relationship. So those are some things they did right. They kept working together. So application. What, what, are, what do we take home from this? What's better, more than just a story, more than just insights into who Paul was and who Barnabas was, what do we take home? Well, number one, this is not in your notes, so you have to listen carefully. Uh, number one, even the best followers of Christ do dumb, regretful, and even sinful things. Even the best followers of Christ do dumb, regretful, and even sinful things. Okay? Let me rephrase that. You, as a follower of Christ, are bound, eventually, to do a dumb, regretful, or even sinful thing. Okay? I, as a follower of Christ, am assuredly going to do, in the future, a dumb, regretful, and even sinful thing. We are still sinners. We are still human. David, Solomon... Gideon, all, almost all the saints of the Old Testament, almost all the saints of the New Testament, all followed this pattern. We all do dumb things. That does not take us out of God's plan. It does not remove us from God's blessing. It gives us an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to learn, and an opportunity to do it better. And I think as we look for little details in the epistles and other things that Paul did and whatnot, we see that they learned and they did things better. We need to do that too. So number two, application-wise, afterwards they learn from their mistakes and we're given opportunities to fix it. We need to learn. We also need to fix things. Eventually they fix things. Should have happened sooner, but they fixed it. We need to learn from our mistakes. And number three, this is maybe my favorite God is not only unopposed to using broken people. He actually is an expert at it. He's not unopposed to using broken people. Which is kind of good because we're all broken. We either are broken, have been broken, we're less broken maybe than we used to be. We might crack in the future. We're all broken people. And as we mature in Christ, as, as we grow... The cracks become less obvious and whatnot, but we're all broken people. And, and God is an expert at using broken people to accomplish His will. 
none of us are qualified on our own merit for any ministry we're involved in. None of us are qualified to teach anything we've ever taught. It is the Holy Spirit working in us and God working through us that puts us in a position and gives us the wherewithal and the means to do these things. We're all broken people. Paul was a broken person. Don't forget, he used to be a murderer. He used to be what we'd call today a religious terrorist. Don't forget that. Okay? Barnabas was a pagan before he got saved. So was Mark. So were we. We're, we're all broken. And, and God's going to use us if we let him. So, even when we make mistakes, we need to learn from it. We need to respond to it, fix it if we can, and then continue to let God use us. This little story is here for a reason. It's to show us that even Paul wasn't perfect. And then later, I love when Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do. To me, that's the greatest thing Paul could ever have said. Because it makes him human. It makes him right there on level with us. And then I can take all the grandeur things Paul says, and I can say, if that guy can arrive there, so could I. I can move in that direction. I can get there one day. And, and this is just another glimpse of the great Paul being human, letting us know that we're on the same journey, walking down the same path, led by the same God, and He can get us where He wants us to be to do the things He's planned for us to do. Let's pray. Father, thank You for our time today. Thank You for this small passage at the end of chapter 15 here where we see kind of the, the negative side of Paul. We see an argument develop. And we see a rift here in a relationship. Thank you that you didn't leave us clueless as we continue on in Scripture. We, we see restoration. We see, we see Mark in a positive light. We see Barnabas in a positive light. We see Paul very visibly in a good light. Thank you for that. Help us then to realize that we're very similar. And, and we are here to be used by you despite of our past, even despite of our future. Help us to serve you as best we can. But when we do make mistakes, don't let that be our defining moment. Help us to rise up, to learn and to grow and to change as we need to, to do things differently. Speak to each of our hearts individually and, and cause us to grow in these areas. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.